so we went into the restaurant and I saw my granddad's wife there and so I knew which table to head over to and then I look and there's all these other people on the table who I didn't recognise and my dad says to me, Sophie, these are your great aunties and great uncles. I never expected to be able to go to the exact same house the same village and meet the same families that my great granddad once spent his time with and that's where he lived growing up. I felt like I had found a part of me that was lost. We actually opened up my grandma's tomb and took her ashes back out. As we were walking up the stairs of the temple and I remember looking up to the bright blue sky and in that moment I felt like I was walking up to the gates of heaven and that's not even an exaggeration. Hey guys welcome back to another episode of Destination Happiness. Thank you so much for joining. In this episode I'm going to be talking about my recent journey to Hong Kong. Now this was a really important trip to me. The reason why we went to Hong Kong was to take my granddad's ashes over there so that he could be where he comes from over in Hong Kong. It was also my very first time visiting Hong Kong. I'd always wanted to go there ever since I was young because I wanted to explore my heritage and find out a bit more about where my family come from. So that was another reason. I also got to meet my extended family for the very first time and also reconnect with my family from the UK. So my dad, my granddad's wife, my uncles and my cousins came over. So I got to see them again too, especially after living in Australia and not having any of my family around me. So it was a really significant trip and I'm excited to share it with you. So just a quick background on me and my family. So my great granddad moved from China to Hong Kong and my granddad was born in Hong Kong in 1931 and there he had children with my grandma. Um, they had seven children, my dad being the youngest. Some of them were born in Hong Kong and then in the 60s my grandparents moved over to Brighton in the UK and that's where my dad was born. My mum and my dad met in Brighton in the 90s and there I was born in 1998 in sunny Brighton. My mum's actually Scottish too, so I have a unique mix. I haven't met many other people with a Scottish and Chinese mix. I think actually I've met two other people in my life who have the same mix as me, so it's really incredible. My grandma and my granddad are actually the eldest of, I think, my grandma nine and my granddad seven, but I may be mistaken there. Um, so naturally, we have a big family. And I always knew that I had family in Hong Kong because my aunties and my uncles often go over to visit and see their aunties and uncles. So that would be my great aunties and great uncles. But I've never actually been over myself until now. I had never really thought about who exactly they were, what they looked like, what their names are, what they did, etc. So this was a really eye-opening trip for me. So obviously, like I said, the reasoning why we went over there was to take my granddad's ashes back from the UK to Hong Kong. 
My grandma's ashes had already been placed there 17 years ago in a temple up in the north of Hong Kong near the border of China. So I was really motivated to make sure I was able to meet my family over in Hong Kong and make sure I made this trip memorable. I didn't have a lot of expectations in terms of what I discovered but I did have a lot of hope and I was looking forward to finally being able to meet my family, go to the temple and visit my grandma's ashes that had been placed there already and just really learn more about myself and my personal connection to Hong Kong. To be honest with you I didn't really do much research before the journey because I find that if you have expectations then if things don't live up to that then it can be disappointing in some ways I, I just mean that in terms of like visiting a new country from that perspective but I did kind of have sort of an idea of what to expect so in my dad's and my granddad's house back in the UK we have these pictures on the wall of China Hong Kong like um I don't know exactly where it was but it's an old fishing village and I've been told, well I was told prior to the trip that my granddad was from an old fishing village so I kind of just assumed that that was it. And this scene in this picture in my house, it's like a quiet lake, not really much going on, things are kind of stripped back and humble and kind of just like not really living above your means and so when I got there to Hong Kong it was just like London but everything was Asian and I really kind of wasn't expecting that I mean I know from like a logical perspective that Hong Kong is a city and it has been westernized due to colonization but I kind of wasn't really thinking about that. I was just thinking I'm going to step into this picture that my granddad has and that's going to be Hong Kong. But that really wasn't the case at all. I hadn't really asked much prior to the trip about my family history. Do you know what? I was just ready to go there and embrace everything that Hong Kong and my family had to offer. I didn't want to make any presumptions about the journey, I just wanted to fully embrace it as I was there. So in terms of prior research, I didn't really do much of that. So I actually arrived in Hong Kong a couple of days before my dad and my uncle. And this was because I was flying in from Australia and they were flying in from the UK. My cousins, Jamie and Stephen, had already got to Hong Kong, I think one or two days before, and their other brother, Perry, actually moved to Hong Kong about eight or nine years ago. He's actually from the UK, but he decided to move country. So they were already there, but I was really looking forward to seeing my dad and giving him a big hug and being able to just see him again in person rather than through a screen over FaceTime, over different sides of the world, nine hour time difference, etc. So reuniting with my dad and the rest of my family was really comforting, especially as in Australia, I don't have any family here. I first came to Australia by myself, so all my friends that I've made have been friends that I've met here. I don't have any kind of comforts, if you will, 
that come from home, everything in Australia that brings me comfort is what I've created myself. So being around all my family again was really nice. And it was also just really wonderful to finally be able to let my guard down a bit, not have to worry about train times or where to go for dinner or where we're going for the day to the markets, etc. Um, didn't have to be in fight or flight mode constantly. And I was just able to be my true authentic self and kind of let my family plan everything out. I could just be the baby of the family again. So that was nice. When I first arrived in Hong Kong, I, well, I'd been traveling by myself from Australia. So in the initial stages of traveling, it kind of just felt like I was solo traveling again and just heading to a new country and, just, you know, working things out along the way. I didn't plan a taxi in advance, even though my dad was like, how are you going to get from the airport, etc. I remember it being really hot, actually, and it was really humid, and, I, and especially because at the time it was middle of winter for Australia. I was like, oh, do you know what? I've missed this. Missed being in Asia, missed being warm and in a hot climate and not have to worry about jumpers and stuff like that. Hong Kong inherently is very similar to London and specifically what I'm referring to at the moment is uh, octopus card. So I don't know if you're aware but on the public transport system around Hong Kong, you need this octopus card, um, and it's really similar to an Oyster card in London. So what you do, you load it up um, with like however many dollars, and then when you go onto the bus, when you go onto the train, you just tap on, tap off. Um, in England, you are able to just use your contactless debit card instead, but in Hong Kong, it's mandatory to have one. Otherwise, you can come into some sorts of trouble in terms of like train fares and stuff and prices. So one of my first missions when I landed was to get a SIM card, to change my currency and to get an octopus card from 7-Eleven in the airport. So I went to the travel exchange company, I think it was called, in the airport and I got some dollars. And I also got a SIM card from them as well, which I would recommend doing as soon as possible when you get to a new place. Um, I then wandered down to 7-Eleven and just being greeted by all the colours, the snacks, you know, the little sushi rolls that you get where you have to pull it apart. It's like a little sushi triangle with one, two and three steps on it on how to open it. And then you can get the freshest sushi, freshest sushi that's possible from a convenience store like 7-Eleven. Looking at the different kinds of drinks like the lychee water, the Asian tea, like oh my god, like it was just so humbling and refreshing to be in that sort of environment again. And not to mention the language, everyone's speaking Cantonese and I haven't got a clue what's being said because I'm probably the only person in my family that doesn't speak Cantonese, unfortunately. But yeah, so I queued up in 7-Eleven and then when I got to the front of the queue, I was like, oh, hey, like I need to get an octopus card, please. Cause my cousin Perry had told me in advance to make sure to get one. And they weren't able to help me. They pointed me towards the desk at the airport. So I went over there and they couldn't help me either. So I ended up downloading an app. 
And I think by the time I'd finished faffing around with all of this, it was around 10 o'clock at night. And I'd already planned in advance to get the bus to the hotel in Tinshouwei, which is an area where there aren't really any other tourists there. It's sort of like a, like a, a suburb where you will find local people. But I'd been told by my cousin Perry to book that hotel because it was a good price and also a convenient area. I think they'd stayed there before too. So then I was queuing up for the bus and I put in the family group chat. She's like, oh yeah, like just to let you know, like I've landed, I'm just waiting for the bus now. And Perry was like, no, like don't get in the bus. It's so late, it's dangerous. And in my mind, I just thought, A, like I'm just so used to traveling by myself. I don't have anyone ever saying to me, oh, don't do that, it's dangerous. Like it's normally just like what I go off on my instinct. But as he's a local, I decided to follow his advice. And my dad also was messaging me like, Sophie, don't get the bus, get a taxi. So I was like, okay, so I wandered down to the other side of the airport and there were two queues. There was the queue for the green taxis and the queue for the red taxis. And everyone was queuing up for the red taxis, so naturally I thought that that would be the correct queue to go in. And then my instincts told me I was in the wrong queue. I was meant to get in the green taxi. So <laughs> the red taxis are for Hong Kong Island and then the green taxis are for mainland Hong Kong. So yeah, the first night I just kind of managed to make my way back to the hotel and kind of just chill out for a bit, relax, get over the jet lag, etc. After my dad and my uncle arrived, we began venturing out a bit more and doing the less touristy things and more of the family things that the locals would be doing. Just like shopping around the local markets rather than the touristy markets, going to families' houses and being introduced to those, but I'll get into that in a little bit. On one of the first days where we had all been reunited, the plan was to head down to this famous dim sum restaurant and meet my great aunties and great uncles for the first time ever. And now this was a really pivotal moment for me because I, like I said, I'd always known that I had family over in Hong Kong, but I'd never really thought about who exactly they were, what they looked like, what they did. And so for me, this was the moment where I was finally able to pinpoint exactly who my ancestors are, who my extended family are, put a face to a name, and that being the Tang family. And it kind of just reinforced my cultural identity, just being put in touch with those people in, in that environment over in Hong Kong, like it was really special to me. So we went into the restaurant and I saw my granddad's wife there and so I knew which table to head over to and then I look and there's all these other people on the table who I didn't recognise and my dad says to me, Sophie, these are your great aunties and great uncles. And I was just like, this is incredible, like just meeting them for the first time, getting to know them, trying to communicate as well because I wasn't really sure how good their English was. I didn't know much Chinese either. My family do, but unfortunately that's not something that I can understand or speak very well. Reason being is my mum and my dad split up when I was two, so I wasn't really around my dad enough of the time to be able to pick up the language. I think actually when I was young, I was able to speak the language, especially with my grandma as well, but 
when my grandma passed away at such a young age and I wasn't around my dad enough, unfortunately, I wasn't able to learn Cantonese. Also, it's worth noting, apart from two, I'm the only mixed race cousin in my family, so part Scottish, part Chinese, part English. Um, I think all my other cousins are fully Chinese, so there is that as well. Walking around the streets, where the restaurant was as well. Among getting lost as well, my uncle thought he knew the way, but he didn't. And we're kind of just wandering around. My aunties and my dad were like, oh, pointing out buildings. Like, that was your granddad's retirement home over there. I'm like, what? And I look and it's just like an apartment building, or like a block of flats and just trying to comprehend the fact that my grandma and my granddad at some point in time were wandering these exact same streets, going into the same restaurants and the same markets and probably bumping into the same family of people. It just baffled me and to be honest, I think I'm still trying to comprehend the significance of that. Just like retracing my ancestors' steps and walking the same paths they walked, eating the same food they ate and breathing the same air. It was just so unbelievable. There were a good few cultural differences that I noticed and also some that I thought would be different that weren't. So for example, just the first one that pops into my mind, just trying to cross the road in Hong Kong is an absolute nightmare. So you can't just be on one side of the road and cross over the road and then be on the other side of the road. Like it's not as simple as that. So they have these things over there called skywalks and that's pretty much just a pavement in the sky. So you would have to walk up a set of stairs, go into a shopping mall, go up to like level three, for example, find your way around and go down a specific corridor and then find another set of stairs and then go down and then get to the other side of the road. It was just really annoying, actually. Like, it, it was cool at first, like, oh, we're up in the sky, we're looking down, we can see the road. Um, but then after a while, it got quite difficult trying to work out exactly where you're able to cross the road, especially if we're in a rush for the bus, for example. <laughs> trying to run around like a headless chicken working out where the staircase was so that we could cross the road. Like it, it, was, it was interesting, but it was kind of frustrating as well. One of the other cultural differences I find, and I think you'll probably agree with me on this if you've ever been to a similar country, is just the level of respect they have for one another, especially their elders. And also as well, I noticed that there is such a high level of health and prosperity over there. So just to put things into perspective for you, when I met my great aunties who were in their 80s, I believe, they were running around the markets and I was trying to catch up with them and, and keep up with them and they're fit as a fiddle. They're walking around like no issues in terms of mobility or anything like that. And on that note, I do believe that the reason being is due to their diet. When we're in one of the local markets over in Yen Long, we were walking around and they had all sorts of things for sale. They had livestock fish, they had livestock chickens, they were selling dried fish, salty fish, they were selling gallbladders, I believe, um, fish guts, and all sorts of interesting things. I think they were also selling seahorses as well that had been dried up. 
Um, and yeah, like it was just incredible to see the array of food that they had for sale. The particularly interesting thing was when I went to the doctors over in Hong Kong on a separate occasion, I noticed that they were also selling the exact same food types. And then it clicked that if these people are eating these types of food on a regular basis, which would be prescribed by a doctor anyway in case of any illness, then it's no wonder that there's such a high life expectancy over in Hong Kong and maybe other parts of Asia too. So it was really nice just seeing that because over in the Western society, it's not really so common to see people with particularly high life expectancies. I think there are a lot of processed foods being consumed, unfortunately, and sugary drinks and whatever. I mean, I don't want to go into it in too much detail, but I think you can probably agree with me that there is a big difference in terms of their diet. So that was another cultural difference that I noticed. My great-granddad moved from China to Hong Kong way back when, like I said before, but I never expected to be able to go to the exact same house, the same village, and meet the same families that my great-granddad once spent his time with, and that's where he lived growing up. My granddad inherited the house, which at the time was, I've been told, like a small shed kind of thing, if you will, um, where I think some of my aunties grew up. But over time, after my grandparents moved to the UK, I think it was then that they actually knocked down my great-granddad's house and rebuilt it from scratch and built this four-storey house in the village of Mongting. My dad and my uncle said to me, Oh, Sophie, we're, uh, we're going to go over to your granddad's house. Do you want to come? And of course I wanted to. So we all got into one of the famous green taxis. To be honest, this particular village where my granddad grew up, it's a bit in the sticks. You know, um, did your parents ever tell you those stories where they had to walk 10 miles to school in the blistering cold and then walk 20 miles back in the snow and it would take them three hours to get to school and <laughs> do you know did your parents ever tell you those kinds of stories well this taxi driver was driving us down these off the beaten track paths towards this village our home village the tang village and i was thinking these are the same roads that i've heard about in said stories and i kind of chuckled to myself just thinking that i was here in in the story all the things that i've been told i was right there right at that moment living it just driving through in a taxi i think it took us maybe around 10 15 minutes maybe even 20 minutes to get there from ting Shui-wei, which is a local suburb anyway the village was i think on the way to China so it was quite near the border as we were getting closer and closer towards my granddad's house I noticed that there was a significant difference in terms of the style of buildings as we were in more of a rural area the houses were a lot smaller they seemed I don't even know how to describe them they were a lot smaller in terms of like 
their width, but they're all very kind of close together. They had the traditional symbols on the red posters that are greetings and wishings of wealth and prosperity. They were on the doors of the neighbours. It seems that they're... I mean, at first glance, it didn't seem like a particularly wealthy area, but actually, I learned that these houses were very sought after, especially as they were so tall and spacious on the inside. I think as it's an old village as well, um, that's probably the reason why there are a lot of old abandoned buildings there too. I think I saw a few and they had trees growing inside, like full-blown, like grown trees. Like these hadn't just been recently abandoned, they'd been there for years and these trees were thick. But yeah, there was a lot of concrete, it seemed very kind of grey, um, but I knew that this village was of particular importance to me and my family. I was just ready to see it all. There would be like long grass growing and washing lines and random, like, just, I don't even know, like, random items around, <laughs> random bricks, etc. And then as well, so, there was also a temple maybe about two minutes away from our house which we went to visit and it was really special being there and just thinking that that's the same place that my ancestors would have gone to pray and pray to their ancestors. That was really special just knowing that and being there. That was really important to me. As I was walking through the village and we were approaching my granddad's house, I wasn't really able to comprehend just how significant that moment was. And to be honest, I think I'm still struggling right now. Like even just the entire trip, I do struggle to articulate it um, and just talk about it because it was so special to me and I find it hard to think of the right words to say in terms of how remarkable the whole journey was. But as we were walking up, we we're walking up one of the old paths, very narrow, um, electrical wires overhead and joss sticks, incense sticks around the walls and we approach this building and we stop and my uncle gets his keys out and my dad says to me, Sophie, this is your grandma and your granddad's home, welcome. It's really difficult for me to, to put into words just how exactly that made me feel. I went into the house and my dad gave me a tour, just walking up the stairway and seeing my granddad's room, the master room, and all his pictures on the wall and his bed there. And just the thing, I've gone 25 years of my life just not even knowing that this house existed. Like, I, I actually, I think I did know that it was there and my uncles owned this house now. But actually being there in the rooms that my grandma and granddad walked around and lived in and even my great granddad who I never got to meet lived there too after he moved over from China. It felt like they were with me and they were actually there present with me and looking round and imagining my grandma sat next to me on the sofa and just even looking into the kitchen and imagining them cooking dinner and making steamed rice for my aunties and 
just all the memories shared there in that house that they were able to create. Do you know what? It actually felt like the past mixing with the present. Like I was in some sort of weird in-between stage between history and the now. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but that's kind of how it felt, especially when I went over to the temple where my grandma's ashes were laid, but I'll get onto that in a minute. I was looking around the house and I just thought about how small the kitchen was and my grandma in there cooking and making a nice home hearty meal for the rest of my family. Um, and then I, I went up the set of stairs onto the first level and that's where my dad told me that this was my granddad's room, the master bedroom. Um, and I, I remember looking round. I was, I did, I think I did actually see a photo of me and my granddad on, it was like blue tacked or, or sellotaped onto his wardrobe. I don't think I'd ever seen that photo before, or if I had, it had been one that I'd seen many years ago. So it was really cute, actually, just thinking that whenever my granddad went back to Hong Kong for holidays, he had a picture of me there on his wardrobe. Like, that was really sweet. And then seeing pictures of him and my other cousins, like Sarah and Benji on the wall. I think there are also pictures of my grandma and granddad with their seven children, so my dad and my aunties and uncles. It was just a strange feeling being there, being present and being opened and immersed in this new world that I'd only ever dreamt of previously. I went into the bathroom as well of my granddad's ensuite and I noticed how small the bath was. Um, but my dad said that over in Hong Kong, they didn't really um, want to take up too much space. I mean, Hong Kong's a tiny place as it is, so everything's kind of built upwards rather than outwards. So they really value their space a lot. And I think that might be one of the reasons why the bathtub is only half the size. Like, you, you wouldn't be able to lie down in it. It's like a half bathtub. It's, it's quite cool, actually. And then over in the other side of the first floor was a spare room, which my dad and my uncles and cousins would stay in when they would come over to Hong Kong previously. And then I saw the stairs extended upwards, so I, I went upstairs again to level two. And again, there was two more bedrooms there, um, exactly the same as the ones before. So both en suites with double beds in there, like very homely. And then I saw another set of stairs and I said to my dad, I was like, oh my God, like how tall is this place? And I think it was the last set of stairs. I went up and I was greeted by this room filled with old boxes, old newspapers, um, and just like stuff that had obviously been there for a long time. I don't remember exactly what date was on the newspapers, but I could see that it had been yellowed from the sun. And just, just the small things really made an impact on me like looking at the Cantonese writing on the newspapers and seeing all the Asian people on the newspapers and then just looking out the window which was so tall and overlooks all these other um, similar height buildings and looking down the really narrow pathway that was there and I know that if someone else would have been in the building next to me also on the same floor I would have just been able to 
put my hand out the window and touch them. Like, that's how close the buildings were. Like, maybe not even, like, a table width apart. Like, it was crazy. Um, and then they also had, like, a little balcony there as well of where I guess they would hang out washing. Um, maybe, like, have a barbecue or something. I don't know. Maybe sit out in the sun. Oh, actually, one of the things I did notice there, which was really uh, didn't doesn't sound important but it was just like a kind of moment that I remember I think there was a washing machine up there and I looked there was like an old washing laundry detergent and I think it had a little bit left in it but I thought did my granddad use this did my grandma use this like this exact laundry detergent like I said, it was kind of like history meeting the present, the past meeting the present. Um, my grandma passed away 17 years ago, so I doubt that that was the same laundry detergent she used. But maybe it was the same brand, you know, it's just those tiny little details that are significant to me in these kinds of trips. And to be honest, in everyday life too. It's the small details that really make things memorable for me. When I went for dim sum with my great aunties and great uncle for the first time, it was just a really crucial moment of the trip and actually of my life because, I mean, they're my extended family. And do you know what as well? So I felt like meeting my great aunties and uncles, I felt like... I had found a part of me that was lost. It really gave me a sense of belonging, especially within my cultural identity. Being reconnected, well, not even reconnected, being connected with my family again, it just kind of felt like a bit of a full circle moment. Like it's something I'd always wanted, um, but I'd, I'd never wanted to go to Hong Kong as a tourist or as a traveler. Like that just was not for me because for me, the significance of going over there was to meet my family and I wouldn't have been able to do that without my dad and my uncles and my cousins. Like, if I went there by myself, I would just walk past my family on the street and have no clue who they were. Like, I needed to be introduced to them. I also didn't speak Cantonese, so I needed my translator, which was my dad. But yeah, that, that was a tiny bit of a language barrier. Um, maybe there were some points as well when we were eating dinner, dim sum, lunch, I don't know, we, we, we went out for dim sum maybe once a day on average, or maybe even sometimes twice a day for like breakfast and then dinner. Um, so we had plenty to eat. I think I even came back like a kilogram heavier, but it was worth it. When we were sat at the dinner table and everyone was talking away and I kind of just, I felt a little bit awkward at the time because I had no idea what was going on and they would all like laugh together and I'm like I have no idea what you're all laughing at do I laugh as well because I feel a bit awkward or do I not because I don't even know what they're laughing at like it was just those kind of little details like I said but my aunties and uncles spoke a little bit of English and we the way we bonded as well actually it's kind of funny because typical me I always get bitten by mosquitoes and they saw the state my legs were in. And they were like, oh my god, oh no. And um, they had this balm. It wasn't a tiger balm, but it, I don't know if you'll know what it is. It's like 
it's similar to Tiger Balm, like it's more like a Vaseline, no, like a, a Vicks, um, and it's in a little pink screw top tub. So they were putting that on my bikes for me and kind of mothering me and, and taking care of, of me and looking after my insect bites. And that's probably the way in, in which we bonded at first and kind of broke the ice. Everything that I had known up until this point was things that I had learned about Hong Kong and the culture but from England. Like I'd only ever really been to dim sum in the restaurant China Garden in Brighton on Preston Street, which actually my granddad started, may I add. It um, apparently was a lot better back in its day, but yeah, that's where I kind of, <laughs> where my knowledge for Chinese culture kind of stemmed from. That and everything I learned within the walls of my family home, everything that my aunties and uncles had taught me and just like the traditional values that were passed down through the generations. The first time having dim sum not in my family restaurant back in England, like in a highly respected place where locals would go in Hong Kong, that was remarkable in itself. And I also got to try some new dishes that I'd never had before. One of the dishes we tried to order this dish called dan tap, which is like a egg tart, is the translation. But the waiter or the waitress misheard us and we had this other egg dish and it was like a crispy egg pancake. That was delicious and that was actually an accident, so we didn't even intend on ordering those. But we tried these like black buns that I'd never had before. It was kind of like a tassel bao but the bun was different and the filling was like a creamy kind of filling. Like I think maybe it was even a dessert. I tried chung fung, which was like an authentic pasta roll with beef inside or dough inside, prawns inside, whatever you wish. And then just like knowing that this was true authentic dim sum. If you've been listening for a while, you'll know exactly how important food is for me in terms of just traveling and exploring cultures in general. So this was delicious. And I, yeah, like I said, I think we had dim sum at least once a day. And after two weeks of just indulging in Hong Kong, I put on, I think, a kilogram, but it was worth it. I also met this man called Jack Tang, and when I asked about how he's related to us, my uncle kind of like rolled his eyes. Um, but I think he is my granddad's cousin. So we have a really large family tree. And actually, side note, I did try and piece together our family tree and ended up giving myself a headache after two hours because it's just so big. Um, but anyway, Jack was really excited about this lychee tree he'd been telling us about and my uncle was um, t telling us about this specific lychee tree as well. He took us over to, I think it's the same village as well, I think it was still Mongteng, where all our family are. And in front of his house, as he had said, as promised, a beautiful lychee tree stood before us. He was so happy and was encouraging me to try the lychees freshly picked, wanted me to get lots of photos and it was so smiley, bless him. He was so happy that he was able to share his delight of his tree with us. It was a hot day 
and the lychees were warm from the tree but do you know what it didn't even matter because this was true fresh authentic lychees from the lychee tree and in some way it kind of represented my family tree if that makes any sense like it was a metaphor the lychee tree the family tree fresh fruit something i'd never really seen before um happiness meeting my family like it, it was just like a giant metaphor in the form of a tree another thing i remember as well is um uncle jack he was picking off loads of lychees and giving them to my dad like oh yeah like you take this back to england like it's so good you've got to make sure you take loads back and he said the same thing to me and i was like no way i'm going to australia if i even think about taking a lychee back to australia i will probably get fined deported and banned and my visa taken away and etc etc get sent back to england like absolutely not i will appreciate the lychees in the moment thank you very much i am not getting deported from australia <laughs> Oh, I forgot to mention as well, um, in the village of Monseng, um, two things. The first thing was, there wasn't like a specific shop, but it was one of the, one of the neighbours who was selling drinks out of his home and playing mahjong. Um, I think there was like peach iced tea and then other iced tea like crethanium, jasmine tea. Uh, you name it, he had every single drink. He had lychee juice, he had coconut water, he had Fanta, like, you know, all the yummy drinks that you'd never tried in Asia. Like, he had them all. Um, so that was cute, just knowing that the shop was pretty much just a guy, a local guy, one of the neighbors selling drinks. <laughs> Another thing which I absolutely adored um, was when I first went to the family home, maybe another two seconds up the path was another house. And that's where my grandma's sister lived. Oh no, was it? Was it my grandma's sister? Or was it my grandma's, I think it was my grandma's brother's wife. Um, I don't know, it does get a bit confusing, but it was another family relative anyway, who was also a Tang. And my uncle, my cousins went up there and were speaking to her. I'm not sure what they were saying. And my dad and my uncle went over there. And she was like, ah, Fuken, which is my dad's Chinese name. And my uncle like, ah, Fuen. And, uh, and recognised my dad and my uncle from when they were little, little kids running around. And I thought, this is just so sweet. And, oh, like, it was really incredible for them. It kind of felt like it, it wasn't a moment that I could kind of um, relate to because I didn't know who this lady was and I didn't even speak the same language. But I just could appreciate how significant that was for them. Um, she invited us into her home and gave us a little lychee juice box with a little straw. And my dad and I were sat on these chairs that she pulled out and our knees were up to our chest because it was so small. Um, and my dad was talking with her and I think they were probably just like reminiscing about times, seeing how, um, what each other had been up to and asking about mutual friends is what I assumed they were talking about. But yeah, just, just knowing that that particular village is where my family grew up and my distant family are living now, it was just really wholesome. Honouring 
my grandparents was the reason why we were all there, the whole family. Um, and so on the day of my granddad's funeral, we went to the temple which my grandma's ashes had been put 17 years ago. It was a really emotional day and I'd been to temples previously, like in Cambodia in particular, there are so many temples in Siem Reap. But the difference is that these other temples were temple ruins that were now tourist attractions and they weren't really being used anymore for their original purpose. But this time, it was completely different and nothing could prepare me for the emotional whirlwind that I would go through when I entered this temple. It was beautiful and it was again another sunny day. We walked in, there was all these pictures of different people around the temple and my dad walked me over to one of the areas and as I was looking at the wall, I recognized a face. And upon closer inspection, I realized that my grandma's picture was on the wall there on the temple. And my dad said that that was my grandma's tomb where her ashes were. And immediately I just had this shiver go through my body. I had not seen my grandma since I was six or seven years old was the last time I saw her. And now I, I was finally at the place where her ashes were laid to rest. And it was never actually something that I thought I would be doing. It's, it was never something that I looked forward to in the future because I just never thought that it would happen. I never thought that I would be there at the temple. To be honest, I didn't even know where my grandma's ashes were. I just assumed that maybe they were at the house or somewhere in Hong Kong. One of the traditions in the culture is to light joss sticks, incense for your ancestors. And now when you go to the temple, it's polite to not only light the incense for your own family, but for everyone there. So my cousins, my uncles and I, we all had this like massive handful of incense. Um, we were going round lighting for everyone which was really nice because I think in that culture there is a lot of um, community and inclusivity. In inclusivity? Um, just everyone respects their elders so much. It's just part of who they are and, and what they do. Um, so we were walking around and um, it's also just quite comforting as well, knowing that when you're not there, when you're away and you're not able to pay your respects to your own family, that there are other people out there doing that for you and, and saying hello to my grandma. Um, so she's not really lonely over there. She's got other people like wishing her well and just like thinking that she's in a temple with all these other people and she's probably got friends there. Like, it's just really, really nice, and it did bring a smile to my face. As we were walking up the stairs of the temple, like, the stairs were very grand, and I remember looking up 
to the bright blue sky and in that moment I felt like I was walking up to the stairs to the gates of heaven and that's not even an exaggeration we were walking up into the sky into the clouds and I remember turning around and just seeing this incredible view of the fields in the distance and because the temple was in a very remote place it actually overlooked China my cousins pointed out some of the skyscrapers in the background and said that that was Shenzhen one of the cities in China and then just thinking that my grandma had that view in that beautiful place with the fields and the greenery around her, it was just really nice and knowing that my granddad was now going to be there with her and they could finally be together again after 17 years of separation. It was just really calming and reassuring just to know that that's where my grandparents now were. My family arranged for a Buddhist monk to come and say blessings for my grandma and granddad, which is a ritual that is normally done when somebody passes away. I wasn't sure exactly what was being said, but I could still appreciate the significance and the meanings of everything that was being said. You may already be aware, but everything is done in threes over there, so you will have three incense sticks, you will bow three times, um, when you're giving fruits, they will be in threes, like three oranges, three apples, three cups of tea. Um, and in turns, we all went up to say our own blessings and pay our last respects to my grandma and granddad. We actually opened up my grandma's tomb and took her ashes back out. Her jewellery was in there as well. And we gave it a good old clean... And I was looking at her rings, I was like, wow, she must have had really small hands because they don't even fit my hands. It's like maybe the size of my pinky I was trying her rings on. So we took out my grandma's ashes and put them side by side with my granddad's. And do you know what? I'm really proud of my dad and my uncles in that moment because it must have been really difficult for them bringing back memories of my grandma's passing prior especially as it was such a sudden loss as well. It was really unexpected back then, so just a appreciation for that. After we took my grandma's ashes out, like, we, we had... I think they had to... I don't think they broke the tombstone, actually, um, but they did have to take it off, and then they put a new one on there, so instead of just my grandma's picture, it was my grandma and my granddad's picture on there, and it was a nicer, updated picture of my grandma, too. Um, and there was symbols like Cantonese writing on there and I can't read Cantonese, I can't speak it, let alone read it but I do know the symbol for Tang, our surname, which was on there too so um, on one side was Ping Tang, my grandma's name and then on the other side was now Mok Tang, my granddad's name and it was in gold writing as well, it was all engraved, it was really special and... I wanted to get a photo of it actually, but I didn't because I thought I didn't want to be disrespectful and also some things are just meant to be remembered in the moment. So I just have a mental image of the tombstone there in, in the temple and yeah, means a lot to me. Part of the ritual as well is to give offerings for your ancestors. Um, so we, well not we, my uh, family arranged for a suckling pig 
so that my grandma and granddad could feast on that and have a really nice dinner together. Um, they also had fruits and rice and tea and I think maybe even some wine as well, like orange juice. Um, and we also burned money for them, not real money. It's like, it says on there, I think it says like Bank of um, the Afterlife, something like that. So we burned that all for them and that's meant to go on to them. Actually as well, I think we burnt my granddad's passport so that that would go on to the afterlife so he could continue to travel back and forth from Hong Kong and England. It was nice being able to say hello to my grandma as well. Like obviously I can like think about her in my head um, and when I'm back in the UK I can go to her table where we remember her and say hello there but being there with her ashes and her jewellery was just it was so different and I'm really grateful and appreciative that I was able to go there and, and be a part of that. As well as honouring my grandparents and being there for that reason, taking my granddad's ashes over, I was able to, after all the formalities, explore a bit more of Hong Kong as a traveller, with my dad as well. And I did get to see some interesting places too. You may have heard of a place called Lama Island. Um, my dad and I went there, uh, so we had to get like a ferry from central Hong Kong, Hong Kong Island, um, pretty much. Hong Kong is made up of Hong Kong Island, which is the business district. Imagine central London, like Canary Wharf, as an island. Um, and then there's Hong Kong, which is part of mainland China, where the border is. It's actually like on the same part of land. Um, and that's like not Hong Kong that you would probably think of. So yeah, we did get to do a lot of sightseeing there. So my dad and I went to central Hong Kong and then got a ferry out to Lama Island. And actually, I think aside from all the formalities and, and meeting my family, etc., this was probably my favourite day there. I have spent the last year and a half exploring the world, being free, doing things on my own terms. So that day was like welcoming my dad to this world that I've been living in for all of this time. We were able to just go out and be free and explore the island and do whatever we wanted. And I was so glad that my dad was able to do that too. Like I said, I think everyone should be able to experience that at least once in their lifetime. So being able to take my dad out on that kind of adventure was something that I'd always wanted to do and I'll be able to do it again as well. But I'm just so glad that he was able to experience that and get a taste of the life that I live now. And also as well, while I was on Lemur Island, I was wondering like, oh, do you reckon my grandma and granddad used to come here? Maybe it's like a honeymoon desti destination back then or maybe they hated the idea of island hopping and they would never want to go there at all. Like just thinking that this, these are the thoughts that my grandma and granddad would have back in the day. And even my great granddad too, like, do you reckon he went to Lama Island? I don't know. Being on the beach as well, um, my dad and I, we found this local restaurant on one of the beaches there and we had some noodles and some coconut water and was just sitting there like, by the sand, looking out, and I'm, well, we're, we're both from Brighton, which is a coastal town in the UK in the south, so I'm used to the sea anyway, but where I'm living now in rural Australia, 
I really miss the beach. So not only was it nice being there with my dad and island hopping, I just love being by, back by the sea again. We also went to Victoria Peak, which is another tourist destination out in Hong Kong. It's the highest viewing platform there is over there that has a 360 degree vision. So yeah, going up there was fun. I did actually film a YouTube video of our day out at Victoria Peak, which will be my very first YouTube video. But yeah, so side note, that's to come. Exciting stuff. Also, once a year, Hong Kong have this art installation on um, Victoria Harbour called Double Ducks. And this is pretty much, you know those like rubber ducks that you get for the bath? It's a giant inflatable version of that and there's two of them and it's this just like it's just this installation really and it's meant to like put a smile on people's faces and bring joy and just be like another thing for people to see when they go over there. The meaning behind it is just to mark unification and friendship and happiness and just appreciating the people you have around you and that's why there's two ducks instead of one is like that partnership and that friendship that you find among people and i think as well that kind of just reinforces the culture over there is it's very friendly it's very open and it encourages you to look out for others and just be unified in the community Another place in Hong Kong, which you will hear about if you go over there, is Mong Kok. Now, that's back on the mainland part of Hong Kong. Um, but they have some cool stuff over there. They've got the Ladies Market, which is known for its unique trinkets and little things that you can buy, just like typical market stuff. There's also a place called Sneaker Street, which lives up to its name. It has about 20 Nike stores, Nike stores on there, they've got adidas stores, they've got adidas selling Nike, they've got Nike selling adidas, they've got Puma, they've got Converse, they've got Doc Martens, they've got um, Havanas, <laughs> they've got every kind of shoe you can imagine. So if you go over there and you want to buy a new pair of shoes then you know where to go. Do you know what as well? You probably already know this but I love street food and they had lots of street food over there too, but not even just the street food I enjoyed. I enjoyed the food from 7-Eleven. I enjoyed all the random foods at different restaurants. Oh my God, as well, you need to go to this restaurant. It's a cafe actually, it's called Cafe de Coral. Now imagine, you know like typical fast food restaurant where you order from the screen, you pick like takeaway, dine-in, etc. There's lots of different menu options and meal deals, etc like a kind of like a mcdonald's but it's asian so you can go there and you can order for example like roast duck and rice and it will come in like five minutes and it's really cheap and you sit down and eat it and it's just oh my god it's beautiful i did try a lot of new food while i was over in hong kong too um most of which i didn't really intend on trying it kind of just appeared and by that i mean like for example we're out for dim sum as a family one evening and um some of this soup was served up and passed to me and I, I tried it and i was like oh do you know what this is a quite nice texture um never had anything like this before it tastes quite creamy and quite spongy i asked my cousin i was like oh, perry like what's this and he says, oh, this is pork lung soup. I'm like, wow, I didn't expect to be eating pork lung over here. But it was nice, and I liked it. And I would order it again. 
I also tried octopus. And now, like, I normally... I've had, like, squid before, but I don't think I've ever eaten octopus, especially not, like, a whole one. Okay, this one is pretty controversial, but bear with me while I explain, and please don't jump down my throat. So, I tried shark fin soup, and... I would just like to say that my great aunties gave it to me. So it was like, it was already there. I didn't go out of my way to order it. They had already ordered it and I tried some of theirs. So no matter whether I ate it or not, what happened has already happened and it would make no difference to the past. Second of all, there are a lot of cultural differences in the world. And I think that people should be more open-minded when traveling to different parts of the world and exploring new things like new foods, new cultures, new ways of life, etc. You could say that because Muslims don't eat pork, does that mean that you're a bad person for eating pork? No. So if Chinese people are eating shark fin soup, does that necessarily make them a bad person? Well, no, not necessarily. I also tried tendons, and actually, um, some of them were really soft and nice, like kind of like melt in your mouth, like a beef brisket kind of thing. And the other ones were just super chewy, and I didn't really know how to distinguish from the two, you just, it was like a lucky dip. <laughs> um, but funny story, so my cousin Jamie, um, he was out at work one day, so he, he doesn't actually work in Hong Kong, he... Um, works in London for Warner Music, but they've got an office over in Hong Kong, so we just went in for like a day or two. And when he finished his day at work, my other cousin Stephen and I, we went to go meet him at a restaurant. Now, I really like the local restaurants, you know, like Hole in the Wall, it's not really like <laughs> advertised or anything like that, you kind of just stumble upon them. And because they're so local, there aren't any English menus. There is an app on my phone which I downloaded and it's Google Lens. So you can scan texts like a menu or a sign and it does translate for you. However, it's not always correct. But my cousins do speak Cantonese a little bit. So I kind of told them what I wanted and they ordered for me. They were translating the menu as well. But when the waitress came over to take our orders, she had no idea what we were trying to order. Um, and there was a lot of confusion, a lot of back and forth. And she got the order wrong. When our food came out, we were like, we didn't order this. But do you know what? It was fine. It's all part of the experience. And I do kind of like it when uh, you get something completely different. Uh, I think that wrong order was where I tried my tendons. And I would... I would have them again. Yeah, they're good. Trying new food is good. Overall, I'm thrilled to discover my heritage and meet my family. I'm so grateful that I was able to go over there and meet my great aunties, my great uncles. Uh, I even met my grandma's auntie. Got to visit my family home back over in Hong Kong and explore more about my culture and where I'm from. I did learn a lot about myself too and exploring Hong Kong with my dad and even just like seeing him again because obviously we don't live in the same country anymore 
it was a really warming experience and I'm so appreciative of the fact that I was able to go over. I was grateful to be there to be able to take my granddad's ashes back to his hometown and just honour him for the last time formally. And I do feel the entirety of the trip did make me closer with my family. So my cousins who came over from England, my dad, my uncles who came over from England, um, Perry who lives in Hong Kong already. And I also got to see my other cousin Benji who now lives in Taiwan. So our family are pretty spread out. We do like to travel a bit and move to new countries. I don't know why, it's kind of maybe a Tang thing. I do feel like I found a part of me that had been missing for a long time and reconnecting with my heritage kind of just was like the missing piece, something I'd always been searching for, something that was lost in the past. I feel like if you have the opportunity to take a heritage journey like I did, then you definitely should go on that trip. It's a unique way of travelling and you'll learn so much about yourself that you probably couldn't discover just by reading and doing research. It's different when you're there and you indulge yourself in the culture and you walk the same streets that your ancestors walked and meet your family, meet people that have a special connection to you and even share a surname with. Like, it's crazy. You should definitely do it if you have the opportunity. I learned also as well a lot about traditions passed down through the generations and the local history. So maybe you and even your family should try and get together and plan a heritage journey just to go back and see where you're from, see your roots and discover more about yourself. I want to encourage you now to start up conversations with your family, to think deeper about where you're from and get a deeper understanding about your background. Maybe if you've got older siblings or aunties and uncles that you don't normally have these kinds of conversations with, they probably know things about you or your family that you don't. Maybe they even just assume that you know certain things about your family and you have no idea. So just by talking about it, it can really open up these questions and just let you learn. From the trip, my highlights have been taking Grandad's ashes to Hong Kong and honouring him there at the temple and also seeing my grandma's ashes. Meeting my extended family for the first time ever. Indulging in the culture and just learning more about that and my background, my heritage. And also seeing my dad again and the rest of my family who came over from England, came over from Taiwan. The whole journey is something I'll appreciate for the rest of my life. I'd love to hear your stories about any sort of heritage trip that you may have taken or thinking about taking or even conversations that you've had or will have with your family about your background please get in touch with me because I would actually like to hear anything you discover about yourself. You never know what you may find and it could even change your perspective on life and maybe even what you go on to do next in your next chapter in your journey ahead.
thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you found it interesting just hearing about how this journey changed my life and broadened my horizons, opened my eyes to a world that I never had really thought about before that's a big part of me. In the next episode, I'm going to be catching up with my best friend, Ashley, and we're going to be talking about our first time traveling when we first came to Australia and traveled around in Bali in 2017. Um, We're going to be discussing how it influenced the trajectory of our lives and what we're doing now and reminisce on different stories and funny things that we got up to. So listen out for that in a couple of weeks time. Thank you so much and I will see you on the next episode.